Attention managing Madrid listeners, this is your host, Kian Sobani. Before we get into a really fun conversation with Lucas Navarrete, um, go through Real Madrid mailbag and talk about Gareth Bale mostly. Um, we wanted to make sure you know about our live podcast this weekend in Madrid. If you're in Madrid this weekend, come out and see us on Sunday night at the Irish Rover where we're going to be recording a free podcast to the public. There's going to be five of us there. So initially it was supposed to be me, Eduardo, and, uh, and Ewan on stage and then we found out that Christopher was coming and then after last week's podcast with Sam where we talked about Castilla and Raul literally after the podcast was over he was like I have this opportunity to come with the the Norway Real Madrid Peña with Ruben who is a listener of the show should I do it I'm like absolutely do it um it's going to be the time of your life so just just forget about everything else just put everything aside come down and it like that he decided okay I'm coming so now Sam Sharp's going to be there. We're all going to be at the Castilla game Saturday, and then we're all heading to the Bernabeu to catch the Real Sociedad game. And then Sunday night is the podcast. So Irish Rover, 7 p.m. It's near the Bernabeu. You can just Google Irish Rover to see it on Google Maps. Or you can go to managingmajun.com or patreon.com slash to see the details. It's at 7 p.m. It's free. The stars may never align like this where we're doing a free podcast with five managing Madrid members um, and some some fun people in the crowd, which I think you're gonna be you're gonna be happy about when you show up. A lot of like-minded Madridistas to meet, journalists to meet, uh, and just overall a really good time. Um, 7 p.m. in Madrid, Irish Rover on Sunday. No excuses if you're in town. Come see us. And without further ado, here is the mailbag with Lucas Navarrete and myself. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. Wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Karim Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Welcome to uh, Mailbag Edition of the Manager Major Podcast. It's Thursday, and Lucas Navarrete is here to join me to answer Real Madrid questions, not only from Patreon, but we also expanded it to Twitter today. Uh, and uh, I'm, as always, I'm always super excited to talk about football with Lucas Navarrete. Lucas, how you doing? Very good, Keen. How are you, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. Um, I would love to kind of just talk about the NBA and Luka Doncic and everything that he's doing right now, which is mind-blowing. Oh, you don't, you don't talk about Jokic now, huh? Uh, After you beating know, the Rockets. Not bad. Not bad. I just, <laughs> like right now, what Luka Doncic is doing is on another level. Yeah, yeah. So as much as we'd love to talk about Jokic and Doncic and the Clippers and Celtics last night and everything else, there's so much to talk about, mo- mostly Gareth Bale. So... I, I kind of knew, and, I, and I'm not surprised at all, when we put out a call for questions on this week's mailbag, that it was just going to be a bunch of Gareth Bale stuff. So that's why I opened up to Twitter and be like, just, hey, maybe some, some other questions would come in that are, that are not about Gareth Bale. And we did get them. So uh, today's discussion will take us into a lot of Gareth Bale talk, which we'll start with. But then other things that will take us around to Pochettino and Tottenham and, and other theoretical questions and stuff about the club's history a little bit and some of the Spanish national team. So we have a lot to get into. Um, the first few patron questions we're going to take, we're going to read all at once. Um, and we're only taking the guaranteed ones about bail and just kind of lumping them together that you guys can all get your takes in. 
and then we'll kind of chime in on them as we go. So, Elian Zacco says, are we in a new age of football where players don't respect the badge on the shirt? And what do you think is the difference between the days where we had Gerard and Raul and Totti and Zidane, leaders and players that took the badge seriously, and players like Pogba, Neymar, and Bale? If my question is vague, I can elaborate. It just feels to me that players have no passion for or pride for the clubs they represent unless they came through the club's youth ranks. And I know the names I mentioned up um, there are the youth products. But we also have Lampard, Chabi, Alonso, Drogba, Henri, Balak, Schweinsteiger, Ruud van Nistelrooy, etc., Patrick Odayafadi says, Hi, Kian and Lucas. I hope you're both well. I've seen some people already make comments about the bail situation. Do you think he can ever play for the club again? Is he trying to force his way out? Part of me thinks he's mocking the Spanish media, uh, but he had to know what the reaction would be in Spain. It seems like he doesn't care what his future holds in Spain. How have you guys viewed the whole saga and when does it end? Graham Gerard says, Hi, Kian and Lucas. Thanks for all you do, and I have been loving the bonus content since I became a patron. Thanks, Graham. Uh, my question is, what are your guys' specific opinions on the Gareth Bale situation? I've always been sympathetic to him, and I wish he defended himself more. I also feel like the Spanish media has been way over the top with their hatred. He's always handled himself very well up until this flag incident. I'm having a hard time defending him on this. He knows better, and now it just seems like he's pushing to leave as soon as possible. There seems to be no doubt. This is really sad all around. He's given the media everything they want to put the final nail in the coffin. What do you think is the best scenario for moving on from from him? As it seems like that has to happen, if at all possible. Thanks. And last one, Brandon Stevens says, Wales, Golf, Madrid, in that order. Yikes, I love Bale for everything he's contributed to the club. But this is hard to defend, even if uh, it's a uh, sat- satirize, sat- satirizing critique of him thoughts the satirizing is that a word I don't, I don't, I don't know um, but you you caught me off with that word uh, Brandon um, I believe there's one more here just bear with me um, and there's a there's a couple others too by the way but uh, we're going to we're going to bring a couple of them forward to later on the podcast that uh, that we can just discuss later um, Lucas let me let me get your <laughs> thoughts on this um, because I know you, um, I know you've tweeted about this. I know you've been vocal about this. I know people won't necessarily be surprised to hear um, what you have to say about this. And here's the other one I was looking for. Uh, Rovi Tahiev says, like Lucas said, Rodrigo, Vinicius, Brahim, Vasquez, Bale. In that order, not going to much to add much to that. Just hope he goes ASAP. All right, Lucas, let's start with you. Well, I didn't like it. I probably could have. <laughs> You know, respected it if he comes out on the media publicly or, or on Twitter, I don't care, and says that, you know, he still respects the club and that, you know, he was having fun with his with his Wales teammate about a situation created by the Spanish media and all that. But we all know that he's not going to clarify that banner. And he knew, as, as Graham says on his question, he knows the kind of reaction that he's going to get by posing for that picture and I think it's very disappointing because you know if if the situation wasn't a mess already when he missed the last month of Real Madrid games just because just after you know getting an injury with Wales and you know obviously coming back from injury uh, for Wales games 
other than you know either that other than you know staying in Madrid getting ready for for Real Madrid's next games uh, if that situation wasn't a mess already he added fuel to the fire and I think you know I think he clearly knew the kind of reaction that he was going to get and that's mainly what I'm very disappointed with with the uh, with the picture and the, and the whole situation. I th- so I think I I warned you about this on Slack a little bit that I may go against the grain a little bit here just to prepare you and I alluded yeah. to this on Twitter that I was gonna see if I could zag all the zigs <clears throat> about Bale, uh, but I I don't necessarily I I want to just kind of I think we should just lay this out. Um, lay out the objective things and the facts, and then and then let people uh, form their opinion either way. I think there's some nuance to it. I think you have a lot of right to be upset. I think you have also if you if you just find this whole thing funny. I also I'm not going to judge you for that. I think you're in the right to find it funny. And I just I kind of took the pulse a little bit with some journalists in Spain, um, just to see how they feel. And some of them found it f- funny and maybe not as dramatic as we thought. Obviously, the the papers in Spain they, they did not find it funny at all. So, um, but I do think there are a lot of elements to this story that have gotten missed, and people I think should have all of that information before they before they go one way yeah. or the other. Let's start from the top. Peja Mijatovic, obviously um, one of the heroes of the club of the seventh uh, Champions League trophy in Amsterdam. Um, Later on, a sporting director to Ramon Calderon went on Spanish radio recently before all this happened and said that Bale's priority is Wales, Golf, Madrid. Um, so I think, Lucas, if this is this is a, a player who has been relatively quiet and has been labeled as an introvert for much of his Real Madrid career, yeah. um, has taken a lot of shit from the press, um, some from the fans, maybe but mostly from the press, and... Uh, and now it's gotten to a point where I think you can, in my opinion, the best way to deal with some of this stuff is just humor. It in in that it says a lot about your character and the security of of your own kind of persona that you can let this not get to you and just laugh about it. But I also want to just point out that he's not the one who ran away with it necessarily. Obviously, the fans were chanting this to mock P- Mihatovic, and then. The, and then the players came in on it. Obviously, printed they got they got the banner. I don't think they printed it, but they got. I'm I'm I think they got a hold of it from the stands. And so the nation is delirious. They just qualified for the Euros. Bale was super important for them. And you know there was interviews about this whole thing with him beforehand, and he was just kind of laughing about it in the in the pressers and and you know it is what it is. And it's you know obviously. Uh, and then he was asked. Like, do you, are you more happy with Wales? And he said yes. And like, by the way, I don't see anything wrong with that statement. It, we all no, no, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not uncommon for a player to be to take more pride and have more fun wearing his national jersey, whether whatever country you're from, than the club that pays you. And that's that's kind of just the reality because one, for some players, not all, it's a job. For others, it's it's maybe more than that and they feel more proud to wear the club shirt. Maybe they came up to the youth ranks or whatever, as Ilian alluded to. Um, so then he's in this situation where everybody is celebrating. They bring the flag. He doesn't bring the flag. They bring the flag in front of him and they're all dancing. And by the way, this is like everyone is in on this in Wales. Sam Vokes and Joe Allen are singing Wales Golf Madrid in the locker room in alleys in the streets later. Um, all the players are surrounding him with this, and he's part of it, and he's just laughing and smiling. 
Now, like, if you really wanted to, you could say, well, if he knew what was on the front of the flag, which he probably does, I don't think he's completely dumb, and he definitely knows about it now, and like you yeah. said, he should come out and clarify it, which he hasn't, I don't know if he will, but uh, but um, if you're put in that situation, and they put that flag in front of you, how many of us, and, I'm, and, I, and I want people to be honest about this, how many of us are going to take down the flag it's an honest question. I, I don't know. I also want to flip this another way, uh, Lucas. And I and I uh, and I've asked this to a couple of people, and I and I don't mean anything yeah, but- uh, ill by it, but I just genuinely curious if that flag was a Spanish flag that said Spain Golf Madrid, would the press care as much? Um, here's let me let me say three quick points before I get to that question. First of all. Don't you think the situation that you know the the previous situation, you know, him returning after the the whole month and all, was kind of serious enough? I'm, I, I mean, it makes a difference for me that you know if he had played the last two games for Real Madrid and you know he just he just travels with Wales and plays these these two qualifiers, that that's probably fine. But the situation was in my opinion at least, was a little bit controversial to, to say the least in the beginning. So he added fuel to the fire. That's 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 my main point. Second, the fact that we all would make the same mistake doesn't mean that it's not a mistake. Mm, of course, yeah, we're all human and we probably don't have the, you know, the cold blood to stop the party, as you say, pretty much said. Uh, when you know you just earned your ticket to the to the Euros and all that, but that doesn't mean it's not a mistake. The fact that you know I I, I probably would have done the same thing the same thing doesn't mean that that it's not a mistake. And third of all, I think it's it's not right to say that there's a anti bail agenda in the Spanish press. Although I do agree that he's he's been an easy target for for the for the team's struggles lately but that's that's also mainly because you know he, he earns he, he's the highest paid player in Real Madrid he was expected to be the leader of Real Madrid when when Real Madrid said Ronaldo and you know the team failed and not only the team failed but you know we can i think we can all agree on that he didn't embrace the leading role that the club probably gave him when they decided to sell Cristiano Ronaldo. Agree. So, so you know, he he has not helped helped himself in this situation at all. In, in you know, he you said that he's been quiet all throughout his career. He never proved otherwise in any kind of interview. You know, we, they all said that he doesn't speak Spanish yet after six seasons, and he never helped himself trying to talk Spanish publicly. So. But we know he speaks it. I mean, this a lot of this is driven by the press, right? Like multiple players have come out and confirmed that he speaks it. But like we've we've heard this, we've heard we've heard people uh, be around him that he speaks it. So I, you know, obviously that stuff has also been overblown, has it not? Yeah, yeah. That the stuff that that he doesn't speak Spanish, I don't care much. It's it's just it's just a lot a lot of things, uh, different things, and you know. On the top of it, it's just the the previous situation of him re, uh, playing with Wales after missing the last month of very big games for Real Madrid, to say the least. You know, they lost against Mallorca. They they played for the Champions League fade against Galatasaray. You know, we we recently saw Modric missing Croatia's second game, just in better shape for 
for for Real Madrid next games, and we've seen that in the in the past of you know players asking their their countries to to play just one game out of the out of the two of the FIFA breaks just to get in better shape and all that. And James stayed in in Madrid in the last FIFA break, not in this one, to to recover better from from his muscle injuries and all that and get a better shot of playing and. And, and you know it was at least you gotta admit it was very controversial to to come back from from his injury to play for Wales when he missed a month and a, and a few more days uh, after after getting injured with Wales as well. Yeah, but Lucas, like um, him, I understand it's frustrating that he basically is a Wales player at this point. He does he exactly. recovers in Madrid and he goes to Wales and he plays. Yeah. And I've I've mentioned your po- your tweet on the podcast several times, even when you're not on the podcast. I'm like Lucas brings up a good point. Like Madrid are essentially paying him to recover, and then go back to Wales um, healthy. At the same time, I, there's no scenario where I think it may would have made sense for him to stay in Madrid for this one because, unfortunately, like as much as we yeah, are frustrated with it, that's just the unfortunate timing of this. He it's not in his control to to that he he recovered just in time for the international break. I think it's frustrating, but justifiably speaking, he recovered in time, went lucky for him. And this is this is not these are not friendlies. Like these are if he doesn't go on this international break, Wales do not qualify for the Euro. Like we're Yeah, I know, I know. We're we're not Wales fans, so maybe we don't care about this. But like I know. And and the other thing is like it's not like Spain where or or France or or England or wherever yeah, where they're so deep like if they're one of their better players doesn't go like it. with Isco, for example, like he doesn't go to Spain. Like, okay, they're going to qualify. It's fine. With with Bale, he is like literally the guy who carries that team. And if he doesn't go, they're out. That's it. Like, so I don't, I don't, I don't blame him for that. But I guess my point in all this to bring up all these elements of the story is that, like, just to not forget the human element of this is that that he's yeah. human. He's put up with a lot. He made a mistake. I don't justify what he did, but I, you know, it was put in front of him. The nation's going crazy, and. I know that it was a bad look politically PR speaking it was it was just a bad look for what he did um but his intention I'm sure is nothing towards the fans and it's and it's directly um shot at the media um and and I Lucas I'm I'm I bet you like every, the the happiest people that this happened are everyone at Marca and us in the Spanish media yeah that of course they 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 were so happy that he Definitely. did this that they could not wait to, they they were like yes we finally got our final our final nail in the coffin as someone yeah, that, that, on Patreon that was they were so happy uh, that's why it's a huge mistake from him he knows his, he knows this situation is going to happen he knows Marca and us are going to go hard. Adam and he knows he's going to get whistled the next time he enters the Bernabeu and that's why he has to be smarter and here's another question though this is a very honest question I've been asking myself for the last Mm. two or three weeks don't you think that Bale would have probably come back from his injury a week earlier if that was the schedule for Wales you mean if if you yeah, mean, if if yeah, if you know, if Wales had to play a week earlier than they did. Yeah, I th- I think he would. Um, again, I I guess it comes down to the importance of the schedule. I think if if this was a Wales friendly, maybe not. But if it was a do or die qualifier, then yes. I think in the same context as. I see your point there. I do, but I again, like it's the. I guess it's the. It probably has to do with the the importance of the games and the schedule that 
alters your decision to rush or not to rush uh, coming back early or not early. And the I fact also- of it all is that is that these FIFA breaks are are just a mess. I mean, we see in the NBA teams directly not allowing their players to go or, or directly at least instructing their players not to go to to the world cup or the well not the olympic games because that's a huge competition obviously but the world cup we saw it last summer because you know you're getting paid to play for us not not to play for free in your country and this situation is even worse because he's getting injured while playing and he, he's only playing for his country and spending time in Valdebebas recovering to play for his country again and probably at least if he wasn't even training with the squad he's rushing back from his injury just to play for his country again it's just it's just a whole mess this this whole the 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 whole injury situation was a mess and he had a feel to the fire and he had to know best he did but some of this is a systemic mess too like the international break affects everyone in the same way to an extent um Again, obviously, Wales are more dependent on Bale than other countries are dependent on their stars. And, you know, so there's that. But uh, I wanted to, there were a a couple of things that came up during these patron questions and then a couple of things that I've seen on Twitter that has has bothered me a little bit, but I I think we should get to them. So um, the question of, will he ever play for Real Madrid again? I'm, you know, reports are uh, that... uh, the club is annoyed with it, but are not going to talk about it. And I think which is like a fine stance to take. But uh, will he ever play for the club again? I'm not. I don't think it's crazy that, you know, I, I think people who, who think that this is it, like he's just done and he's never going to play for the club again, are, are a bit naive. And I think he's going to start this Saturday. Mark it down. I honestly, have, I don't think that's crazy. I don't think that's crazy. Um, so, so that, 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 that's all I wanted to know. I wanted to know if you think that that's a real scenario. I think he's still ahead of Rodrigo in the, uh, in the rotation, which I think it's a mistake, (laughs) but I, but I do think he's ahead of Rodrigo at this point. I think he starts at the Camp Nou for sure. If not this weekend, I think he starts at the Camp Nou if if healthy. I'm, I'm not saying it's a mistake or, 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 or the right decision, but I, 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 I'm completely sure that he's not playing his last game for Real Madrid. Which by the way, like the people who... Um, who who really think that this is like such an who are so confident that he won't play again because of what he did was so wrong, um, and Zidane will never play him again. I think you'll you'll find out soon whether that's true or not. But don't I? I'm, my point is just don't be so confident one way or the other that Zidane has made up his mind about about or the club have made up his mind about what to do with him on the playing field. Um, well, I do think that they'll try to sell him this winter, though. Sure, they might try, or they're gonna. I think they've they've been trying. They have tried. Um, yeah, uh, and they will continue trying, and I, you know, I, I think that's definitely on the table. Yeah. Um. I uh, I saw some things on Twitter that I don't want to put too much emphasis on, but it, it I saw it enough that I I think it's worth pointing out. The debate about whether he's a legend or not, and se- several people, and I think managing Madrid, um, was tagged in the, in a few exchanges. I think that's why I I, I saw it, but. Uh, the idea that he's not a legend because whether he's a legend or not is is a different debate out there. That's, that's not what I want to get into. The idea that he's not a legend because it's not about what you do on the pitch. It's about what you do off it also. That that has to be taken into consideration. Meanwhile, the chant in every the seventh minute of every game is Ia, 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 Juanita, Maravilla. And 
the double standards there if we're talking about character and what what defies the legend and whether you have, it it doesn't I wonder how many fans who sing that chant the ones at the burnabout probably do but I wonder the fans who are, who worship and idolize this figure as a legend also take into fact his character I'm just I'm just pointing out like sometimes we we rush so much to judge the character of someone and while kind of ignoring the character of others is is my mm-hmm. point I just want I thought it was worth bringing up well, the, the 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 question about whether he's a legend or not depends entirely on on how many legends are we allowed to have. I mean, if it's a matter of ten players, twenty players, probably he doesn't make it. Right. And I and I do agree that you know it, it, it it's important to how you behave on the both on the pitch and off the pitch to be considered a legend or not. It comes to mind, for example, we we both like NBA a lot and. You know, Carmelo Anthony is probably not a legend for the Denver Nuggets because he asked to leave and he refused to sign a contract extension to, quote-unquote, win titles in New York. And, and you know, that yeah. that's probably why the whole fan base will happily retire Jokic's number 15 rather than Carmelo Anthony's number 15, even though it's obviously there's a st- a still a long way to go. But it, it, it kind of prov- proves my point a little bit. You know, you have to it's important in my opinion to be the, the kind of character you have and the kind of attitude it's part of you your legacy exactly it's yeah. part of your legacy i do think ultimately we remember the good more than the bad like when players yeah. retire like when we look back on their careers 10 50 years later um when we think about zidane we think about his genius on the pitch and not so much the headbutt when we talk about his legacy when we when we think mm-hmm. about casillas's greatness we think about his goalkeeping heroics and not the political stuff that came after with Mourinho and stuff mm-hmm. that's just the way i look at him i could be wrong yeah. maybe other people remember it differently so but but i think the good ultimately is remembered more than the bad and um this, i agree with you the the legend thing if you're talking about like the throne of like pushkas di stefano raul casillas zidane ramos etc obviously not if you extend it to the top 25 players he's still not in there um, but if you're talking about like the top 50, 200 pe- people who, who made a mark on the club, he's there. Um, so it just really depends on how willing you are to, and how many tiers of legends you want to have that that's all. But no, and let's be clear. He probably doesn't get into the be- the best 25 legends for Real Madrid category and all that No, he doesn't. because of the point, the people, because of the point we mentioned, because of, of his lack of leadership skills, if you wanted to call it that way. In my opinion, at well, least, because, also he, has, because he definitely I think has the numbers and the quality to and the and the trophies won and all that to be considered a, a top twenty-five player for sure. In my opinion, but he obviously, he, I mean, at least the titles for sure and his contribution to the to the Champions League treble and, and uh, the Champions League three-peat. I mean, and and all that. But obviously, his lack of leadership and 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 his lack of of character when Ronaldo left uh, hurt his legacy a lot. In my opinion. That's interesting. I off the top of my head, I would I would have had twenty five players better than him, but I haven't really thought about it. So you might I have to look at it again. But um, was there was something else about this bail whole bail thing that I think was worth bringing up, but I can't remember what it is now. Um, is there anything the else? Is, mm. Yeah, one more point. There were there are like there have been two different kind of players. In Real Madrid since Ronaldo left and you know had that void of of leadership and all that and I wish Bale could have been more like Benzema in terms of leading the young guys and 
you know, leading the offensive line, even though, of course, he's not scoring 50 goals a season. We know that Cristiano Ronaldo is so difficult to replace that we can't ask neither Benzema nor Bale to, to score those 50 goals. I mean, replacing him from a leadership standpoint, and Benzema definitely took a step forward. And that's what I that's what I was expecting from Bale, and it didn't happen. And, and it was such a joy to watch Benzema taking that kind of role and, you know, probably embracing that the, the legend, the status we're talking about for, for, for his legacy, in my opinion. I agree. I, I was disappointed with Bale on that front, too. I wanted him to be more of an alpha, alpha character, and he wasn't. And um, I think part of the problem was also that uh, he just, I don't think he wanted it enough. I don't think he, he really views this as a job, nine to five job. I really feel that that's how he views this. Mm-hmm. So that we're going to come back to bail discussion because there's a question later on the podcast about it. Um, let's deviate from it in a, for a second. Right. Harsh Varela says, in my opinion, Benzema has more quality than traditional strikers in this current phase. He can do much more than just score. So if he's a player at Liverpool or Manchester City, would Klopp or Guardiola start him ahead of their current choices? I think they would. I don't think... I think Benzema is better than Firmino. Maybe, you know, some Premier League fans will will go hard at me for saying this. But I think Benzema... We had a discussion about this like two weeks ago or so. I think Benzema has a, a legitimate claim to be the world's best striker right now, as, as Hazard says. Yeah. And I, I, I'm just so happy to see that Benzema has improved a little bit his reputation in, in terms of of Real Madrid's fan base. You know, he receives so much hate. He still gets some uh, undeserved, in my opinion, definitely, for the last season or so. Uh, but I think that there's a, a little bit of a consensus ra- right now in, in, in Real Madrid's fan base that he's definitely a, one of the top players for the last decade or so and definitely probably a, a club legend when he retires I don't I'm talking about about quality uh, to, to get to Hart's question mm-hmm. I do think that both club and, and Guardiola would start indefinitely I think Firmino is a very similar player to him but I think Benzema is better even though I, I really like Firmino I really like Firmino but they are both similar players and and Benzema would, would be wonderful with, with Salah and Mane on the wings I, I don't know if he would start over them um I I I think I think he's better than Firmino. I think I think he has a better chance of starting there. I'm less sure less sure he would start over Aguero because Aguero is just just so good. And even even now when he's not at his peak, he's still he's still playing at a very high level. And but but what I I am sure of is that he is a Guardiola and Klopp type striker. In oh, that definitely. He can do so much. So he would be used regardless. I think um, he could he would he he would be. Very much interchangeable with Aguero and Firmino. You could put him in there, and I think they would be both pretty happy. Um, yeah, maybe Guardiola will even create a new role for him or a new position or something like that, playing you know with with another with another pure striker. So he has he definitely has the quality to play on the left wing for for example. That's true. And, I mean, he could he could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Marin Myrtle says, "I saw these questions going around for another sport I follow, so I thought I'd apply them to Real Madrid." What was the most important game in the club's history? The most important win? The most important loss? The most important goal? I take important to mean if this one thing didn't happen, it would have changed a lot of things. Ramos's Lisbon header came to mind for most important goal because it feels like that's the moment we leveled up in the Champions League. But maybe that's recency bias. I don't know Madrid's history well enough, um, so I'm curious to hear your choices. 
This is an interesting one. Yeah, I think the most important game is also definitely... Well, first of all, I think it's still to come, which will be a Champions League final against Barcelona. Good point. Mm, I think that... I think that game is still still has to come and I don't game, how would your heart handle that? I don't I think I'd go into a coma like before yeah, the game Yeah, that's my point exactly. <laughs> that's exactly my point because you know if if I was nervous during the during the Champions League final against uh, against Atletico without uh, being a a Madrid born fan I knew the stakes that were you know in that game against their neighbors and all that and uh, it's not only the most important goal Ramos is I mean uh, it's also the most important game I think you lose that that Champions League final against the neighbors and whew, the club would be I think we, the club would still be aching for from that moment I think yeah uh, so but about the most important game I think the champion a, a potential Champions League final against Barcelona would Will definitely become the 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 team the club's most important game in history. I think you and I, was it last week you and I talked about the most uh, something the most important goal or a moment or something. Uh, and we yeah, talked moments, about I think top moment. five moments or yeah. so. Yeah, and uh, I we we both agreed that Ramos's header was there. So I think you could you could kind of tackle a few with categories with that goal because it's the most important win mm-hmm. possibly and most important goal. Yeah. Um I I think there are a lot of what ifs since I've started watching this team anyway in the in the late 90s. Um the what ifs to me in terms of like games that they didn't win and it came down to just margin of error moments. One mm-hmm. was Figo's penalty miss in Turin in 2003. Yeah. If that goes in, they get the advantage and then go into a final against what would have been to me the most incredible matchup between a peak Real Madrid and a peak AC Milan that was absolutely stacked. It would have been yep. a final for the ages. They didn't get there. Uh, I think in that 2012 penalty shootout to Bayern, there's a lot of what-ifs. Like, Oh, yeah, definitely. What if Ramos, Kaka, Ronaldo didn't co- just completely melt in the yep. penalty shootout? What if Higuain wasn't offside when Marcelo played him through just before in injury time? Mm. Um, there, there, there are what-if moments like that, I think. Important loss. I what don't if know how Benzema to starts against Dortmund in the the year after that? Was it in the, in the uh, no? Iwain started and Benzema came off the bench in in the return leg, and you know he he barely got like twenty five minutes and and scored, Real Madrid scored twice and right. pretty much completed the comeback. And what if Benzema had started? Yeah. What if Ramos scores that last second chance against Dortmund to make it? Yeah. Make the comeback complete. I mean, there's all that. Um, what ifs are so abundant in football, though? I don't know how much you know. Do you want to actually kind of magnify them? But I think those are the big ones. What What is important loss? I don't know. What is important? I think loss that match in Mourinho's first season. I think. Yeah, that I was a, an iconic one, I guess. Yeah, that was a turning point in the in the sense of you know, we all hoped that Mourinho was going to end Barcelona's winning cycle and all that. And, you know, that was a shocking, uh, facing reality with a shock loss and all that. And, you know, but at the same time, it gave the players and the coaching staff the courage and the, and the attitude they needed to to play their next game, which was the, the Copa del Rey final we talked about uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, I think that was the, the, that 5-0 loss, which was humiliating with Piquet doing La Manita and all that. 
gave the players, you know, the right mindset and attitude to to face that that Copa del Rey final and 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 finally win it and finally show that Guardiola's Barcelona was was a team that could be. Uh, I also think that in terms of most important win, the uh, you know it, it it will get lost. There's two there's two that I wanted to bring up. One was when you mentioned like we haven't had a Clasico final yet. We've had two. Classical semifinals, which have not yeah. been easy to watch. But, I mean, obviously the first one happened at the turn of the century, which Real Madrid uh, knocked Barcelona out in the semifinals. And that yeah. was pretty iconic to me, especially when Raul scored in the return leg with that laser from outside the box. Yeah. Um, that was that was huge. But the other one I wanted to point out was um, the 7-3 against Eintracht Frankfurt in the 50s was massive because before that game, if you look at the context of it, no one in Europe really actually knew how good Real Madrid was. They've heard stories about like Di Stefano and Puskas. Obviously, it wasn't like democratized content, and anyone could watch anything at that time. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I remember, and I remember I reading about this, and I'm and I'm researching it so much for my book, and that they, the world finally saw firsthand how good that team was, because um, mm-hmm. it was the first one that first Real Madrid game that was televised around Europe. Um, I remember Sir Alex Ferguson talking about how he was at that game as a kid and he couldn't believe what he was oh, seeing really? and how good Pushkas was. Yeah, um, and they just demor- demolished um, Frankfurt in that game, who were a good team by the way. They're a solid team, but they were just they just were so much better. And the fact that all of Europe finally saw how good they were, I think, was really iconic and important. So, yeah. All right, let's move on. Frederick Rentakiro says. What do you think of the manager swap at Tottenham? Is it the right move for Spurs? And is it potentially good news for Madrid? No Mourinho available and a well-rested and hungry f- free agent in Pock for next season if Zidane leaves. And then at Stefan Wicklund on Twitter says, if you were a pop of flow, would you A, thank Zizou for his services and secure Pock before he takes another job? B, play it cool until the summer, until the summer or C, stick with Zizou regardless of Pock's availability? Cheers and keep up the fantastic work that you do. Thanks, Stefan. All right, Puck. Well, about Pochettino, yeah, about Pochettino, I think that, first of all, I don't think it's necessarily good news that Mourinho is not available anymore. Not because I wanted Mourinho in Real Madrid, even though I, I, I obviously still appreciate what he did in, in his three seasons in the club. But because I think that if there is a club in the world of football where Mourinho can resurrect his career as a coach is Real Madrid about Tottenham I'm I'm not so sure that it will work out well for him there I, I what I saw with with his last few weeks and months in Manchester United was kind of worrying from from his standpoint you know like trusting Fellaini so much and all that but uh, about Pochettino obviously I would I first of all I would let Zidane end the season, and unless obviously there's a bit debacle happening or anything like that. But if the season ends well, I don't think you can replace uh, Zidane with Pochettino. And by well, I mean competing for all three titles, even though you might uh, not win any of them. But uh, you know, for for Zidane to leave the club, I think you know something very big has to happen, and I don't think. Real Madrid are that bad for it to happen this season. I uh, I guess I don't like the the timing of this discussion because this in no in no scenario do I think Zidane should leave 
uh, after what we've seen recently. Oh, not now, definitely. For sure, not now. And I think it's it's almost it's it's a bit it's a way too premature to talk about this. I think obviously the, it's interesting because the discussions will will be wildly different. Um, based on when you have this discussion, based on the team's form, which in itself is probably a problem about how we look at the game and we analyze it over such short mm. sample sizes. But yeah. um, the, I guess, to, so no no to Pochettino replacing Zidane. Obviously, if you if you have a whole season and the, and the answer is wildly different because the team just tanks, everything looks terrible, which I, I kind of doubt, by the way. I don't, I don't think it's going to yeah, hit that point where that would happen. So the answer is no to me. Um, but he would have been my first choice if we were if we were rewinding back to last season. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. So so uh Tot- I think his question is more tied to what what is who is going to be Real Madrid's next coach once Zidane's tenure in Real Madrid ends, which I think Pochettino would be probably Florentino's best candidate. He would probably also try to to sign club, but I don't think that would be the, it would be that easier. So I think yeah, Pochettino is definitely lined up to be one of the candidates whenever Zidane leaves. Which obviously taking a look at you know the the periods of Real Madrid's coaches, maybe he will stay for what two three seasons. Everything if everything goes well, because you know it's very hard for Real Madrid to keep a coach for past three seasons or four. Right. And you know what's interesting, Lucas, is that this so much of this discussion is like has to do with just who, which teams need a manager and which managers are available at any given time in in terms of what your choices are. Because it's interesting, like if you if if uh, like right now, for example, Bayern is someone that might pounce on on Pochettino. Yeah. Um, where that scenario wouldn't exist if the circumstances didn't align and Bayern just didn't fire their coach and things were going well there, um, then obviously that job is not available and and things are different. If Manchester United don't commit long-term to, to Solskjaer, then maybe he goes there. Uh, so there's just so many variables that it, has, it depends on what's happening at the time anywhere. And it's also interesting, like the discussion was in the summer like and leading up to it, if you wanted Pochettino, you needed to pay his to pay pay him yeah. pay pay Tottenham basically a lot of money to get him out of this contract. And now we're at a situation where Tottenham had to have pay that because they they couldn't keep him. Yeah, had and reached that point. So um, yeah, and at the same time we're saying this that Pochettino might seem the best candidate to replace him whenever that time comes. But if he takes another club now and fails. Exactly. You know that situation obviously is not the same. So yeah, that's the thing. Is he going to be available next summer if if Real Madrid need him, or is he, let's say, somewhere like Bayern and he's flying and they, there's no reason to break up that marriage? There's all those exactly. questions. So yeah. um, I do agree. There's an inevitability to talk to Pochettino. I don't know at, at what point in what year, but it does seem inevitable in some way. Um, I think we can talk about like. Mourinho a little bit. I think it's interesting that like if you were if you like took a nap yesterday, you you could wake up to like a bunch of things <laughs> because it all happened so fast. It almost seemed like Mourinho was yeah. like in the door before Pochettino actually left, and uh, it all happened so fast. I'm happy that Mourinho is far away from Real Madrid. I I don't I don't want him back. I don't I don't like what he's become and what um and kind of the baggage he comes with and all that, but. I actually like him, which is kind of contradictory. I actually think he's <laughs> such an entertaining figure to have around if he's not your manager. I love him as an analyst. I could listen to him talk about football all day. I love his insight. Do you want him to succeed, though? I kind of 
I I why I have no reason to want him to fail. Yeah, I kind of want him to succeed. Yeah, but I don't think he will. I think this this job is too difficult for him. I don't think they have the money to give him what he wants. Oh I don't, yeah, no. I don't think he can transform the team. What my prediction for this Lucas is that I think he. I think Tottenham will have like an initial jolt of like one or two months of really good football. And then I think it's just going to end the same way it always ends for Mourinho and that it's just going to not work. It's going to, the morale will spiral and eventually it's just going to reach a situation where like it's, it's, I I think it's going to normalize after like two months of good performances when he's back. Yeah, but here's the thing. What, what's, what's success for Tottenham right now? I mean, Qualifying to the Champions League? That's they're tough, not, they're not given their current the situation. Yeah, yeah so gonna... what are we asking from Mourinho right now? Qualifying to the next round of the Champions League? That that seems a little bit easy. Uh, so it, it's it will it will be very tough to evaluate whether Mourinho has actually had success or not because qualifying to the Champions League via Premier League seems impossible given their current situation. While obviously you can task Tottenham to repeat. Uh, a presence in the in a potential Champions League final again. I mean, we can all agree that last season was overachieved, definitely. I mean, nobody expected Tottenham to reach the competition that far, and obviously, you know, it was a bit of an unpredictable Champions League edition with Ajax uh, reaching the late the the last stages of the competition as well. So it will be very tough to evaluate what what's uh, what success for for Mourinho's Tottenham this season I think it will be very tough yeah I, I think so too and I think it's 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 worth and I mean who knows like this is this is a, a manager who's who's done well in in cup competitions in the past so I mean it's not inconceivable that they have a they have a good run in the Champions League with him um yeah he'll probably try with. to win the FA Cup I guess sure but I don't think you can ask that from Tottenham either I mean Tottenham are probably like the fourth best team in England, maybe fifth. I'm not so sure. So it, it'll be a little bit unfair to to ask him to win that cup. So it, it's very tough to evaluate what success is for Mourinho because at the same time he's probably not going to play exciting football. He's there to win trophies, so it, it, it's going to be very tough to to evaluate. Yeah. Um, I you know with Pochettino also I think it's there's been a lot of slander on him. Um, not by everyone. I think I think most Tottenham fans are like are very thankful for him and are kind of shocked oh, yeah. that he's gone and, and probably didn't think it was it was a good decision. But I think the team had reached a point where, as I was I was really impressed with their Champions League run last season. Like performances from a tactical perspective, everything from the fi- until the final. Like their performances against Ajax, especially mm-hmm. in the second leg, but also against Manchester City were were awesome, especially with yeah. the key players they were missing. Uh, but in the league, they were complete zeros, and that's worth pointing out. And a lot of that is not Pochettino's fault because he only had a, a, a few players available, not much of a transfer budget, although they did get Ndombele. Um, but they had a bunch of contract issues that you know he couldn't deal with, and they weren't his fault. And so even the players... Ericsson is leaving as well. So Ericsson was obviously the big one, and he had... Um, uh, not only did Tottenham didn't really give him a transfer budget, but the players remaining were unhappy because of their contract situation. Exactly. So it was it was a bunch of everything. And um, and at that point, I think it's just for Tottenham, it's just easier to fire a coach than the entire team. So that's that's ultimately who the fall <laughs> guy was, right? Um, and the owner as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, uh, you know, if Mourinho goes into this, I don't know. 
And by the way, people are asking like why Mourinho would take this job. How about fifteen million a year? I think it's like something astronomical he's making this season. That like yeah. I don't care if it's like managing um I don't know, like any anyone in any country. Fifteen million a year, it's not it's not a yeah, it's, it's not big a joke. Money. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> um Andres Klisson Klissons. I don't know how it's pronounced this. I'm so sorry. Andrej Andrej Do you know how to can you help me, Lucas? Andres, maybe that, Andres, that okay. J. Andres sounds know. good. I like Andres. Uh, Andres says, "Hi guys, I can't wait to see you this Sunday in Madrid, Kion. Oh, perfect! You can tell me how to pronounce your name. Um, thank you. <laughs> Look forward to meeting you. Please come and introduce yourself. Um, I know everybody is asking about Bale, but I have a different question. There's been this general feeling amongst Bale fans and apologetics that he's a quiet guy, a sort of introvert. However, that never appears to be the case when he's with Wales." Mordic, who apparently was his friend during Tottenham, is close to the old guard at Madrid. Don't you think there's some validity to the claims that he never quite meshed with the locker room at Madrid? I do. I agree. I agree that he doesn't appear to have uh, like close friends in the current roster, which I think is probably fine. I mean, that's not a big issue. But I, the whole the whole point that we talked about before is that he has not helped himself a little bit even since since he signed for for the club it, it, maybe that's just he, that's just his personality but it seems to me that he's he has not done anything that he that he, he could have done to to improve his situation yeah i mean i think there's a in on some way we can relate to this can't we as human beings that we're we're just different in different social situations. You put mm-hmm. us you put us in a group of our friends. We're going to be much different than if you put us in a group of people we don't really get along with, mm-hmm. um, or maybe get along get along with is not the right. Maybe they just like you tolerate each other, you have respect for each other, but you don't really you don't really have much in common. Then we're just going to be a little bit different, right? Um, I guess the argument is that he's been there for so many years that you think that eventually. Uh, it would be different, but also like we don't really know what goes on in the locker room. Like his teammates have all come out and defended him during this whole thing, right? I mean, Carvajal obviously would, you know, he, he was vocal with the Spanish national team recently. Are they honest though? I'm not sure. I don't know. It. I think it's a fair question. It's. It is. I think it's in some ways unknowable. I mean, I don't. Um, Alex Kirkland had put out tweet from you know his ESPN colleague today who had sources that said all the players find this whole thing funny and and they're kind of on his side I don't I guess I'm it depends not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure about Ramos seeing this fight though I'm not sure I'm not, I'm not sure at all so you I'm think not, that everyone's I, just going to stay quiet about this I, what, what was it sorry do you think that everyone's going to stay quiet about this? You don't think that Bale's going to come out and say anything? You don't think like he's not going to? I don't think Bale is going to say anything. If if he hasn't by this point, I don't think he will. Is there anything that he can say that would make it better for certain fans? That would make... definitely. Or do you think that people would just no matter what he says, like if he comes out and apologizes, do you think people would accept it? It's not only an apology, but just just an explanation of it all. If if he's just mocking the press and the and the whole goal issue and and situation which was created by the press, and he says, "Look, uh, I obviously love golfing. It's one of my hobbies and all that. And you know, but the whole press made 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 it seem like golf was a priority for me, and I was just laughing at the at the expense of the of the whole press." I was not taking any kind of jokes about the club or anything like that. I think that's it's not an apology like saying I'm sorry, but it's an explanation of of what 
went through his mind and all that. And I think that that would help him a lot. Yeah, for sure. But I don't think he will. I think this. I think this one is definitely worth commenting on. I I I do agree. He should say something. I don't know exactly the angle. I think what you said is just like the explanation of like, hey, this was not aimed at the fans or the club. I have I have respect yeah. for. It. I think that I think that should be said. I, I don't. Just I don't a, know. Just a simple tweet. You don't even have to go to the press conference. <clears throat> um, I think the if he really wanted to take this farther and and just and really laugh about it, he his next tweet would be nothing about this. It would be something about playing golf. And then his next goal celebration, they were no, would just be like a giant golf swing. Yeah. I, if he really wanted to take it far, um, <laughs> I don't think he's at that level yet. But he seems to be really having fun with the humorous side of things. But I do agree he should, he should say something. Um, and this warrants something. Uh, I don't think all situations warrant coming out and say some, saying something. I think some some situations merit silence more than anything. But this one, I think, is worth worth saying something for. And the thing is, we've seen him uh, like expressing his frustration towards the fans at the Bernabeu sometimes, like when he covered his ears to respond to the whistles and all that. And mm-hmm. if a strange situation when he's whistled and all that at the Bernabeu comes and he's playing and he scores, he's probably going to be going to gonna answer those whistles by doing an, a, 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 another celebration or anything like that. So I think it'll be much better for him from him to publish a tweet. He doesn't even have to to speak in press conference in front of the Spanish media, which obviously he doesn't like. So just tweet would help him a lot, I think. Do you think he's going to get whistles? I mean, that's a rhetorical question. Oh, yeah, he's yes, going sir. to. Eduardo yeah. Alvarez told me on WhatsApp today that he's not going to whistle, so he's doing his part. But but he's going. I I think he's probably going to be the the most whistle player. Uh, from Real Madrid in quite a while. Probably Guti was another controversial player, figure who received so, so many whistles in, in, in a few occasions. But I think it's it's going to be worth remembering, probably. Um, all right. Uh, Prexina, uh, our patron, says, Hello, Kian. How do you compare the current Liverpool team and the Real Madrid team that won the Champions League three times in a row? Do you see them winning again this year? Do you think they're capable of getting to the final again? How would our current Real Madrid squad perform against them if we were to face them in the knockout round? Thanks again. What do you think? Interesting question. Yeah, I. the thing with Liverpool is, even though they're obviously dominating the Premier League and all that, what happens to me when when I watch uh, you know, English teams is that I'm not so sure of how well do their their game translate to European football or you know more possession oriented styles of play like more traditional like Germany, Italy, Spain and all that. I think that it, it, I just don't think they're reliable enough to be considered you know the not Liverpool, the you know the British style of play, you know all in counter attacks so fast without dominating possession as much and all that. I don't think that style of play is reliable enough to be, you know, consistently winning the Champions League or getting to finals and all that on a consistent basis. Well, he's, just... got, he's gotten to two finals in a row. If you think about his, you know, yeah. you rewind it back, he got to the final with Dortmund. Yeah. I think obviously he has it in him. I think, I, if you obviously, I think if you put 16, 17... Real Madrid against this Liverpool team. I think 16-17 Real Madrid are better. I think if yeah, you, 
I think obviously the legacy of winning three in a row was obviously better than than what Liverpool have achieved so far. Uh, I do think, I do think this Liverpool side are enough of a machine to be able to build on a legacy of doing three in a row. I don't, I don't think back to back is back to back is so rare in the history of football. Um, let alone three-peating. I think if there's any club that can come close to it right now in this current state of football, I think Liverpool has the best chance at it. I think they're really good. Having said that, I think if you, on the right day, if you put this version of Real Madrid against them in the Champions League this year, I think their ceiling is that they can come out and beat beat Liverpool. I don't think that's off definitely. the table either. No, 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 not, no, definitely not off the table. And I think... If they reach another final or, you know, win another title and back-to-back and all that, I think it will depend on the main reason will be that, you know, other big teams like Bayern, Barcelona, Madrid, Juventus are not at the top level right now. I think that I think that's a big reason why. I It's just be, so many big clubs in European football that are not playing their best football and it seems like they're on a downhill uh, trend right now, in my opinion. Yeah, there's a lot of top clubs not not playing at their best. Um, Brendan Power says, "What does Lucas think of the whole Enrique and Moreno situation?" Not a fan. Not a fan, to be honest. Even though obviously I'm happy that Luis Enrique is coaching again. He he deserves it. It's, it was just a, a very tough situation for him. I obviously wish him the best in that regard. But I'm not a fan of how the Spanish Football Federation has handled the whole situation. Even though I'm also, I wasn't very high on 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 Moreno right now. No, I I wasn't a big fan of his of his squad list. But I think Luis Enrique, Luis Enrique's absence was just because of his situation and not because of of football reasons. And that, if he's better now, he's feeling better and ready to to coach again. Ultimately, he he deserves to be coaching. But I think the situation could have been handled a lot better from the from the football federation. Like like it's just the same argument I have with with how they handled the Lopetegui thing. I don't. I don't think Rubiales did himself any favors. He he just no. he, he Matt Matt and I talked about this on Tuesday's podcast, so I don't think we want to touch on it too much. But um, I think it was good getting your insight on this really weird, bizarre situation that's kind of messy, I think awkward, just and unfortunate. Everybody, yeah, every journalist, everybody in the world of football, every fan of the Spanish football of the Spanish football team agrees on that. Luis Enrique deserves to coach this team in the Euro next season. Hundred percent. Yeah. So the, I mean, the the, the whole thing. Makes sense, but it's just how the situation was handled, my, my main issue. Obviously, the ideal situation would be that just Morena goes back to the assistant role, but obviously something complicated nah, has happened happen. behind yeah. the scenes, right? So, yeah. unfortunate. Um, Varun says, Dear Kian and Lucas, name the five most important hurdles that are standing between us and winning the Champions League or La Liga or both this season or five things that shouldn't happen for us, which <laughs> will make sure we won't win anything this season. Have a best life, better life, and good life in that order to both of you. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Varun. Uh, five items is very specific. I don't. Can we come up with five? I came up with three quite easily. Okay, go for it. No injuries, <laughs> obviously, because Real Madrid are not as deep as deep as they were in two seasons ago or something like that. They have quality in players like Isco, James, and all that, but I don't think they can get the same they got out of out of those 
kinds of players like they did in the past. So first of all, no injuries. Then I think not playing Rodrigo and not trusting Rodrigo enough would also be a big hurdle because I think the guy is ready and the guy is not that crazy young to make a big impact for Real Madrid right now. I think he deserves it and I think Real Madrid need to play him more because he's made a big contribution and a big impact. And obviously one big hurdle which you know maybe some fans don't want to admit is Messi not recovering his top form. I think it's it's a big factor and if if he recovers his top form and Real Madrid keep losing or dropping points in questionable games and Barcelona become this well-oiled machine where Messi scores a brace or a hat-trick every other weekend and stop dropping points against you know mediocre teams I think Real Madrid will have trouble in the in La Liga. So I think that Messi not recovering his best form is a big factor and I think he's starting to recover it. So I think there's a there's a fair reason to be a little bit concerned about that in Real Madrid because that means that Real Madrid will have to be more consistent and more reliable, reliable week in and week out. I think that the Messi thing is... Uh, like Obviously, if he's not around, then the margin of error increases. But I'm just going to count on the fact that he's going to score a hat-trick um, against like everybody this season, and Barcelona are not going to drop many points. Um, now, I, I don't, I'm not confident in this Barcelona team, and I don't think they're, um, they're, they're, they're that good. Uh, I think they definitely have real problems. So, but Messi yeah, but obviously they, they makes had up for it. Last season too, yeah. yeah, that's the point. I mean, and I think Messi obviously has to do with that. You know, um, now having said that, you can't go into a Clasico and lose five one when Messi doesn't even doesn't even appear exactly. on the field. So. Um, in terms of like coming up with five five hurdles or whatever, I don't. I mean, I don't know. Like Matt and I had a podcast on Tuesday and we talked about his article, which highlighted two things that Real Madrid improved on during this run. One was the press, and then two uh, was Casemiro's role this season. That it's a bit deeper, and it masks some of the bad transition defending of years past, where now Casemiro's actually in place to stifle those attacks, and that's obviously made a huge difference in the team's defense. Um, so there's a lot of, I think, tactical wrinkles and nuances that go into this discussion about what has to happen. Obviously, the injuries are a big one. I would also go f- as far as to extend injuries to certain positions would be catastrophic, and yeah. injuries to other positions would be less catastrophic. Ideally, you don't want anyone injured, but obviously, like someone, I don't know, like I'm not going to say a specific player, but if one of our wingers get injured, it's less catastrophic as if Casemiro yeah. gets injured, right? Um, I would also put massive importance on Sergio Ramos being healthy because um, I think the team is completely different with him on the field in terms of their body language and their confidence and their organization. Yeah. Leadership skills, yeah. Yeah, so I think you know there's a, there's a few things there. A um, few more. At Tense Koala, Tense Koala, sorry, on Twitter <laughs> says, uh, best five-a-side Five, five a side team, Real Madrid edition. You can only consider their peak at Real Madrid, not their potential or how good they were before or after their time at the Bernabeu. If you have multiple teams, how would they fare against each other? Let's stick with one five, five a side team, which includes anyone from the club's history at their peak. Who would you go with? Well, my first choice would be Marcelo. <laughs> no matter the position, definitely. Okay. Then uh, Benzema probably as well. Di Stefano, obviously. Cristiano Ronaldo and then Casillas. Wow, Benzema over, over, over Raúl, over, over any yeah. other striker. For in a five-a-side though. Okay. 
it's important to know it's a it's a five side you know close space tight space yeah uh, high, very high skill needed and all that and so that's that's mainly why I picked Marcelo as my as my fair choice he's a player born to play five side yeah so when you speak about five side you think about really tricky players in tight spaces who obviously would do really yeah, well yeah exactly exactly um I actually forgot to prepare this question, but I'll just do one off the top of my head, and I'll, maybe I'll steal a couple from you. Casillas, Mar- Casillas Marcelo, yeah. uh, Cristiano. Um, I would, uh, I would put Figo in there, just because Figo was really just because Figo was like one of the best dribblers I've ever seen, and I I just be confident he would come out of like if all five opponents just swarmed on him, he would just get out of it. I think he'd be really good at that. So I have one defender. Space, so- what? He needs a space. No, not, not necessarily. Like if you look at his peak, like his first year, first year at Real Madrid, he could. I, I think it, he was unbelievable. Yeah. Again, we're talking about five aside. I'm not talking about he's the best attacker or whatever. Oh yeah, definitely. History. That that's a big point in yeah. for my for my for my team as well. I mean, I'm definitely not putting Benzema ahead of Puskas in terms of legacy or anything yeah. like that. It's yeah. the five aside team. Yeah. yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um. So I have one defender and three attackers so far: Ronaldo, Figo, Zidane, essentially. So, wait, that's my team. That's four. Five. So I basically went in this with no defenders, and I can't change it because it's oh yeah, done. me too. Marcelo is my only defender who is just not a defender. So <laughs> so essentially, you'd have I'd have Marcelo. It's like a one-one or one-two-one. Yeah. Marcelo defending uh, by himself, which basically oh, means no I'm defenders. Not Marcelo to defend. I know, but at some point, like let's. <laughs> what's your formation? Because for me, I guess it would be like one-two-one. Marcelo and then Figo yeah, yeah. and Zidane in midfield, and then Cristiano up top. Whereas like everything's interchangeable because if you ever played five aside indoor, you you would you can say like this is my defender, but that defender uh, will sometimes yeah. go and play as a striker. Zidane will come and like play as a last yeah. defender. It's like going to be all over the place, but that team I think would dominate. Yeah, um, I, I got a one to one as well with Stefano helping Marcelo in the midfield, Benzema passing the ball to Cristiano. Yeah. Um, Tyler Simon says, "What player do you wish would return to Real Madrid if you guys had the choice and had and uh, and it can't be Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, playing currently, right?" Yeah. Uh, oh, he didn't specify. We can say that if we want, but I I would say let's do one for currently and then one for all time. For playing currently, return to Madrid, uh, it's probably. Pick Di Maria, maybe not at this moment, but pick Di Maria probably. I think it was a big mistake to let him go. So yeah, probably pick Di Maria would be my choice for playing currently. And for all time, well, you go ahead with currently and I'll think about all time. Well, my currently would definitely be Di Maria too. Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't buy you much time. But I think <laughs> I think you can also look at it. What's the what, what would you say is the weakest position in the lineup right now, in the starting lineup? Not the team. Yeah, the right the wing, definitely. The right wing. Well, Rodrigo is great, but you know, sure. Di Maria, I think would start ahead of him for sure. Okay, so right then now. if you if the right if that position is the weakest in the team right now, um, if you were to extend it all time, who would you want there? And it can't be Ronaldo, obviously. Well, it's Figo then for sure, ahead of Beckham, ahead of Hento. I think Hento played more on the left, right? Hento was so- mostly on the left, yeah. But then, so but you, then you could could you argue that some players are not necessarily right wingers? But you could put there, um, like for example, if you put Zidane in the lineup, he wouldn't be a right winger in the team. But you just shift things around a little bit. 
Um, yeah. And and just put him there. You know what I mean? Yeah. If we're talking about you know players who left, like kind of on their peak and all that, maybe Seedorf, maybe Redondo. But Redondo was Redondo's career was on a, on a downhill spiral because of the injuries and all that. But yeah, all time it's probably well maybe it's Redondo actually, not and not Figo. But Redondo, sure. he would take Casemiro's slot, essentially. <laughs> Redondo was very good. <laughs> oh, to me, he's the best defensive midfielder the club I ever, ever had. But I, I'm just pointing out, like, if, if that's point, not your yeah. oh, weakest, yeah, the point, weakest point, yeah, then, then well, it wouldn't make if, sense. Yeah, if he's the right wing, it's definitely Di Maria for sure, and all time it's Figo. Then um, I would, I would just put, I would bring back Di Stefano because obviously he's the second best player. Well, yeah, in the oh, come history. on. And then you just figure out where to put him, and I, I think you would probably just. You'd bench, I don't know, you'd probably take that right winger slot and then do something like Di Stefano, Hazard, Benzema attack or something and just see what happens. Yeah, or Ronaldo. You could always bring back Ronaldo and put Benzema on the left wing and Hazard you on the right OG or something Ronaldo like that. Or, yeah. OG Ronaldo? Oh, the oh, phenomeno, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the, the original, as Mourinho said. <laughs> All right, last one. Bernard Kufour says, we're talking about Rodrigo now. He says, my question is, what's going to happen to Vinicius Jr. since he's now going down in the pecking order after Rodrigo's loss in performances? I don't begrudge Zidane because he's a manager who believes that positive performance tramps or trumps senior, uh, seniority or, or the name on the back of your shirt. Valverde is younger. He's been chosen by Zidane. If Vinicius Jr. doesn't fight back with extraordinary performances, I fear he'll end up being a ragtag and a bobtail and hence being boxed away from prominence and eventually sold. I believe as long as he struggles to score, he can never be embraced as a player who deserves the acme of Real Madrid. We all know uh, his exploit as a good dribbler and and skills, but his attitude before the goalpost needs much to be desired. All right, so basically the question is, what happens to Vinicius now? To Vinicius. I think Vinicius is a player who needs confidence, uh, a lot of confidence to, to succeed. And I think Zidane has not handled the situation as well as he could have. Because he scored that goal, you know, got a, got a big chip off his shoulder with that, with that goal against Bruce, I think. And you know, miss the squad list the game after. He's been out of the list for for so many for so many games for so many times this season already. I think Zidane needs to to give him a little bit more confidence, even if it's coming off the bench. I don't I don't agree on starting him week in and week out if he doesn't deserve it. But I uh, I would say that he doesn't deserve to be out of the list uh, two times a month. So I I, I would like Zidane to handle. Vinicius a little bit better and you you know have a a little bit of a longer leash, in that sense. Yeah, I think he's. I think if the answer to this question is like sometimes we ask like our fans ask Vinicius or Rodrigo, and to me the answer is always both because I think they're Rodrigo yeah. Vinicius is still so young and he still has so much room to develop that, um, you know I think he's he can be an important part of this project moving forward. So, uh, Lucas, I think we should wrap it up here. Um, yeah. So, again, quick reminder, if you're in Madrid this weekend, come out and see us on Sunday night. Uh, there will be five of us there, so uh, of the managing Madrid crew, that is. Um, so please come out and see us. Uh, Lucas, thanks so much. This was fun, my friend. Hello, Madrid. Thanks, Hello, Madrid. All right, before we wrap up the show officially, wanted to give a shout-out to our patrons, specifically our $10-plus patrons who get a shout-out on the podcast. Mikhail Nilsson, Frederick Sundros, John Fernandez, Said Mahad, Adam Dorsey, Frederick Rantakiro, Leon Stavernakis, 
Christian Gonzalez, Bjorn Salvador, Essa Hariri, Ilian Zacco, Yahya Ibrahim, Willie Reed, Nick Ribeiro, Eric Rogers, Tyler Simon, Saad Omar, Sheikh Atiri, Oluwapamimo, Oladunjoy, Christian Top, Charles Williams, Tarek Sphere, Kunal Tilakar, Marin Myrtle, Tyler Dixon, Raul Gutierrez, Raghav Potluri, Vicky Cohen, Gary Kohut, Sujai Wani, Peña Maradisa, San Francisco Bay Area, Brandon Stevens, Castro Muscala, Catherine Fagundo, Zoran Bosnicic, Rafael Servia, Karen Scherer, Sumanshu Singh, Brennan Powers, Ahmed Almayahi, Rovi Tariev, Amy L, Anthony Armesto, Shabazz Sharapov, Fabian Moreno, Varun, Bernard Kufour, Ashik Bashar, AMB6901, Faisal Hamdan, Muxith Thangal, Graham Gerard, Magnus Lex, Jason Fitz, Solomon Ortiz, and Philip Hammer. Thank you guys so much for your support. We love you all. And Hala